hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. I tell you what, some of us don't do things because, you know, it's all in our mind. We've got these barriers in our mind. But what about when the barrier is a physical barrier? You know, most of us don't have physical barriers. Some do, but most of us don't. And we still stop ourselves from doing things. Today's guest is going to absolutely blow your mind. I tell you what, I'm not even going to say anymore. I'm just going to introduce her and, wow, have a listen to this. Mandy Horvath is a bilateral above-knee amputee who in 2018 became the first female double amputee to ascend the Manitou incline, raising awareness for limb loss. One month later, crawled all 13 miles of Bar Trail to the summit of Pikes Peak, using only her arms to raise funds for Operation Ward 57 and the Battle of Buddy Foundation. These historic events garnished local, national and international press. But when the cameras were off, she struggled with alcoholism. And after a series of events, Mandy found herself in hot water with the law after committing three DUIs in a six-month period and harmed an AMR paramedic who was attempting to assist her. Twelve hours after she was awarded a community medal, she was found asleep in her car intoxicated. Because of a series of poor choices in one night, Mandy went from being recognised as a community icon to being very publicly shamed for her wrongdoings. Mandy was given a chance to resolve her addiction and pardon the pun, but she ran with it. Almost three years later and sober, Mandy has led a successful excursion of four grown men, including fellow bilateral amputee US Army veteran Travis Strong, to the summit of Pikes Peak and and became the first documented amputee to crawl up the stairs of the Statue of Liberty and is now preparing to ascend Mount Kilimanjaro. She will be the first amputee to reach one of the globe's eight summits without the use of prosthetic equipment and will be the legacy she leaves for her own children. Wow. Welcome, Mandy. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's lovely to meet you. Oh, pleasure to meet you too. It's absolutely, you know, your story is mind-blowing and, um, you know, there's a lot of people who probably would have given up or at least been quite cranky or at least resigned to the fact that this is my life and it's um, not going to be the same anymore. It's no good anymore. And you've really sort of, and I know there's been a lot of challenges, as we've said in the intro, but somehow you've uh, managed to come out the other side and you're extraordinarily impressive, but your resilience is um, is remarkable. So it's my honour to have you on here today. Absolute honour. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Oh, it's amazing. So as I mentioned that you're a, a bilateral amputee and um, for, for people who don't might not know what that means, it means um, both of your legs have been amputated, which is, um, you know, a lot of people struggle with just one, but you've got two and that means an entirely new life. But how... I hope you don't mind us asking this, but how and when did you become an amputee? I became an amputee in July of 2014. I was 21 years old and went out with some people that I thought I could trust. And about 2.30 in the morning, I uh, was struck by a locomotive in Steel City, Nebraska. So <laughs> the... Um, the train conductor was allowed to release his statement to us a few months later. And that's when he had said that he was going around the bend at 45, 50 mile an hour and um, saw me, thought I was a mannequin. And I guess that's a prank that some people play in rural communities out in Nebraska. 
And after hitting me, he realized I wasn't a mannequin and slammed on the brakes. And as he was getting down out of the engine house, he said he took two steps and turned to go find me. And that's whenever he received a tap on his shoulder. Uh, it was my date of that night. And he said, hey, man, why'd you stop? And the train conductor said, I think I hit somebody and I don't have time for this. And that's whenever he turned the flashlight back and saw two or three people cross the tracks about 200 yards down. And uh, that's about the time my date said, I hope it's not Mandy. Um, the same individual uh, ended up passing away in November of that year as my mother and I were trying to open up court investigation into the events of that night because we were being told one thing and um, the police were being told another. But didn't happen um, for whatever reason. It's been almost eight years now and I still have never seen a police report of this event. It was very shoved under the rug. And so uh, from that and a, a mass array of other tidbits that I've grown to learn in the last eight years, it's suspected that I was incapacitated by a date rape drug. Wow. I only have recollection of stepping outside of the bar after having two beers and two shots. And I just stepped out for a smoke and the world went black. I awoke in an ambulance and somebody was slapping my face as hard as they could. And um, I tried to sit up from the gurney. I was still in shock and didn't realize what had happened. I was pushed back down, continually slapped. Tried to get up once more um, and I was shoved back down again on what I now know is the gurney, right? And uh, they started strapping the cervical collar around me. and. Um, fastening my top half to the gurney, but they hadn't yet gotten to my lower half of my body and I was rather stubborn. And so like a child throwing a temper tantrum, um, still in shock. Mm. This guy, uh, he said, ma'am, I'm going to need you to calm down. You've just lost your limbs. And it was at that point, I kicked my legs in the air and I realized how light it was and uh, the blood. So I spent a, a good, better portion of a couple of years in the hospital um, through recovery and everything else. And it was very rough, it was very rough. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about, a, you know, a date, a date rape drug and stuff like that, I think that it's, it's you know, people talk about that, but I don't think they est estimate that something so tragic, you know, can, can come of this. I mean, did you think somebody put you there or you just passed out there? You're not sure. I don't believe that I passed out there because if I had passed out there, like I remember walking outside. I remember standing by what they call one of those big cable spindles. Mm. They had one of those sitting outside as like a table, um, the industrial size one. So it's huge. And I remember just standing out there by it and I was found some 400 yards up on the tracks. I don't, I know. <laughs> I just, I, I don't buy it. Um, there's, you know, no, he was a heavy equipment operator, um, who accidentally asphyxiated in a garage. You know, I'm a product of two truck drivers. And one of the first things my father taught me as a young girl was don't park the truck in the garage for a bit running. And so I, I just, you know, little backwoods town, a lot of things get shoved under the rug. And so that's how it is. Wow. It's, it's um, you know, it's hard to imagine that uh, anybody can come through that and but one survive. That, that's the first thing and how, how lucky but secondly to find some sense of forgiveness I don't even know if you can forgive you know it, it's kind of but you have to you have to find that, that ship has long sailed <laughs> it's long sailed I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be living the life that I live today if I hadn't forgiven 
um, and let things go, you know, because I, I really feel like I could keep searching till the end of my life and I'm never going to truly have an answer. Yeah. I mean, I could waste my time on that or I can waste my time on tailoring my clothes <laughs> and I can get to cool places, you know? Um, yeah. It's just, it's a choice to move forward. Wow. I think it's, it's incredibly courageous, but it's, it's also incredibly tragic, but I agree with you. If you, um, I don't know that I could forgive, honestly, I think that would be incredibly hard, but I, I absolutely understand your point that it's, you, you can't spend the rest of your life thinking about it but when you were in a hospital you know and recovering in those two years did did was there a point where you thought my life's over that oh absolutely I mean there have been a few times in this journey I've just looked at the walls in front of me and thought how am I how am I going to scale over this um mm. just figuring out how to <laughs> lift myself into my wheelchair at the beginning was very difficult um, you know, learning how to redo everything, um, everything. I mean, just to go and use the restroom now in my apartment, which is um, here in Colorado Springs, I have to lift my body at least four times out of the chair, onto the toilet, back down and into the chair. And so it was learning all of these extra steps to what was a pretty convenient life prior. Yeah. Um, it, it was difficult being taken from the outdoors. It was difficult uh, having my kitchen career just smash into the wall. Um, you know, wheelchairs are great for a lot of things, but they're not exactly great for working on the line cooking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Um, it's been an interesting journey, but, um, you know, along with the forgiveness kind of question that you had there at the beginning, somebody had asked me, uh, recently, actually, if, if somebody could magically reattach my limbs now, I would tell them, hell no, I've spent, I've, I've spent way too long getting accustomed to this life. Uh, and all the things that I took for granted before I appreciate, um, appreciate on such a deeper level that uh, I, I wouldn't change a thing, you know, and even going through the recovery process, even going through uh, the trouble I got into in 2018 with alcoholism, all of that stuff, I, I wouldn't take it back. Hmm. Yeah. It's taught me a little bit some, of something about myself that I didn't need. I didn't know that I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and 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 a lot of people in your situation say that. You know, if if like a tragic event has happened, and they say I wouldn't change a thing. You know, when it first happens, it's kind of like, oh my god, this is, you know, it's my life's over. This is tragic, and and everything else. But then. So many people that I talk to, in particular on this podcast, that have been through that, they they where they're sitting now, they say, I wouldn't change anything, you know, and it's it's um you know, I haven't been through that and I find it hard, I find it really difficult to consolidate that and to imagine that. I pray to God that never happens, you know, but it, I find it very difficult to um to understand that. But now you and you mentioned there, you know, in 2018, you you sunk into alcoholism but prior to we'll talk about that but prior to that you somehow uh overcome overcame this tragedy you know you you said well this is life I need to learn it again and then you did um a couple of incredible feats you know that that where did that determination come from like tell us about those couple of things you did and and tell us where <laughs> did you find the drive like what, what, what happened there? Um, so I moved out to Colorado Springs in 2016 from Missouri, which was my home state. And I, by 2018, gotten a little tired seeing everybody's pictures and not being able to experience it for myself. Um, even when I had limbs, we weren't really 
out in the mountains and I was mostly landlocked most of my life. Mm-hmm. However, um, in that landlocked little Midwestern area, there was plenty of water. And so I was constantly out fishing and foraging. I used to forage for morel mushrooms and hunt turkeys. And <laughs> um, it was a huge part of my life, uh, conservation and learning the ins and outs of hunting. That's how we would process that meat and put it in the freezer. It was significantly cheaper than beef. Um, And so we had a sustainable life through the wildlife around us. And I was always out in the woods. I was always out in the woods. And the loss of my limbs in 2014 took that from me. Hmm. Um, And in so many, so many ways. so I, I just decided to go do it. I made out uh, a huge post over several of my social pages and asked anybody that would listen. I was letting them know that I was going to go do the Manitou Incline and uh, got a lot of incredulous responses. And most people just ignored it or thought I was bluffing. But on April 23rd of 2018, my good friend Keith, he messaged me in the morning and Daniel Pond messaged me not too long after that. He was a random Instagrammer at that time. And um, they went with me to go do the incline. It took me, I think, four and a half, five hours to get it done the first time. The guys carried me down Bar Trail, which was just three 3.7 miles and had a beer and a burger at the tavern townhouse down in Manitou Springs. And I went home and I remember I didn't even take a shower. I just crawled into bed and went to sleep. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And the next morning I had simply just put it online in front of my Instagrammers and it took off from there. Within two weeks, I was approached by every media outlet between here and Denver, um, wanting an interview on the recent ascent because I was the first female bilateral above me, AFUT, to do so in the history of the incline. And so it took off from there. And a month later, I was privileged to have the opportunity to ascend the bar trail that leads all the way up to the summit of America's mountain, which is Pikes Peak. And that was a 13 mile trail. It was my first mountain. Um, I'm not really sure where that determination comes from, but I'll tell you, uh, one of the greatest moments of my life was getting up to the A-frame on that climb. Um, of course, I, I had no idea what I was doing, so I was in jeggings. I had no protection on my lower half. I was literally in jean leggings and deerskin leather gloves, which gave me huge blisters on the palms of my hands and between my fingers. It was dreadful. But we got up to the A-frame, which is a little lean-to shelter about three miles from the summit of Pikes Peak. And this beautiful wildflower-like meadow is up there surrounding this lean-to. And even though I was exhausted and my hands hurt, I was crawling through the wildflowers trying to smell them. And it was probably one of those moments that I will, you know, forever have, no matter how lost I get. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's, um, uh, yeah, I don't know about your determination. Maybe it was just that determination that, you know, that the, the, um, nature means so much to me, you you know, and and that no matter what's happened to me, I, I refuse, I refuse to let something keep me away from it, you know? Yeah. Getting back out into nature was huge for me. 
And so when you're talking about, you know, you're using like no protection, really, like not, not well, when I say no protection, just not good enough protection. So if you, if you now, like when you, you, before we got on this call, you were talking about you were tailoring. I didn't even know what you're talking about because, yeah, tailoring my gear. But um, so is it, are you now using like really specific st stuff, you know, and designed for that kind of climb, for those kind of climbs? The point of issues on my previous climbs were um, on my ischium bones on your rear. It's the two base pelvic bones. Yeah. And as that would roll, it would create like abrasions on my rear cheeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I finally found a pant that works very, very well. Cool brand, K-U-H-L. And these are actually boys renegade larges. <laughs> and what I've done is I have taken a silicone pad, yep. encased it in a synthetic fabric, and then swatched it to the lower pant leg uh, fabric piece. And then I sew it onto the pant. Oh, that's great. And so I've got a nice silicone pad there um, that will actually be very beneficial, uh, especially lengthwise is more important than width because mm -hmm. as I'm going uphill, my uh, my ischiums will rock and roll, yeah. uh, so to yeah. say. Yeah, up and down. So that's a nice little bit of a cushion in there and it should stay pretty sturdy. I've gone over that seam like three times. So <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm figuring it out. And I like the way that it looks and feels. So if it works, it works. I finally found some gloves that work for me. Uh, those are 511 tactical issue gloves. I've been trying to get through to their distributors and their company. Um, and I found some winter gloves too. So I'm super excited to get some videos out there crawling in the snow it's gonna be crazy <laughs> I love it but you've got you've got so many things planned and so many great things but going back you know we talked about your um you know alcoholism so you you were doing these two amazing things the first one was just I'm just doing this for fun and you know it sort of kicked you off and the second one you started to get a lot more notoriety and cameras following you but like we said in the intro when the cameras were off you know you were fighting um an alcohol addiction and um, things weren't going so well. So how how much conflict did you have there? You know, it would, things must have been feeling really awful inside, you know, to be achieving great things but still feeling like you needed to, I don't know, drown, the, drown something. That was dreadful, you know. It, it was dreadful. I was dealing with alcoholism from the beginning of 2018 heavily. Um, I spent New Year's Day in the hospital down in Orlando, Florida with one of my friends who woke up without the use of his limbs. Like <laughs> that's wow. how my 2018 started. And then I lost two grandparents and a couple really close high school friends and within the same month block. And mm -hmm. it just was a spiral, um, you know, and in addition to that, I flew out to LA and to New York within a week. <laughs> it was just a lot of compounding events and I had no time to process my emotions or process the grief that I was experiencing. And it, it sank me, you know. Um, my first descent of Pikes Peak, Daniel Pond had to go hang a bear bag of wine just so that I didn't go through withdrawals. I mean, um, it was a lot bigger issue than I had ever spoken about. <clears throat> and it, it just got worse from there. And so in August of 2018, I was arrested on DUI, suspicion of DUI charges. And in the midst of that, um, an AMR paramedic that was trying to help me was harmed by me. And I just, um, I, I spent the next three or four days in CJC, wasn't even on the list for a personal recognizance bond. 
when I did get in front of the judge, she said, Ms. Horvath, if you're going to kill yourself with your alcoholism, that's one thing, but don't kill anybody else. And he gave me an opportunity to get out. And so within the next 24 hours, I um, immediately seeked medical attention. And that's whenever the story dropped worldwide. I mean, my mugshot was next to Kylie Jenner's rump on Snapchat stories. Uh, it just, you know, I, I went from hero to literally below zero <laughs> overnight. And I spent the next four days in the hospital. I was told that if I hadn't checked in that night that I would have seized out. You know, I was already convulsing. I was at, I hadn't had any medical attention. I was in isolation and I see JC. Yeah, I, I was in the hospital for four days and then I got checked into a 30-day inpatient rehab facility and I completed Parker Valley Hope's uh, 30-day patient program in September of 2018. And I haven't had a drink since that night, August 15th of 2018. So, Wow. What difference has that made to you, like like your physical health as well as your mental health? You know, I didn't realize just how much I was holding myself back um, mentally, especially from from growing in my relationships uh, with my family and friends and uh, other people that I haven't met yet. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't realize how selfish I was and how um, just unacceptable my behavior and my actions were at most any time I was drinking. Mm. And uh, it was a great way of hiding from myself, but it uh, didn't necessarily give me an invisibility cloak to anybody that was seeing me Mm. uh, as I was. At the beginning, it was very, very difficult to stay sober, um, to understand what was happening. But similarly to what I had taken from AA, because I enrolled in that immediately after getting into um, getting out of the 30-day inpatient program just for some support, because everybody I knew here in Colorado drank. This is the microbrewery capital of the United States. It was just, it was a pivotal moment for me. I want to say in my 18th month, actually, you know, it didn't come right away. There was like a year of, I got to hide. I got to, you know, not let anybody see this mess that I am trying to (laughs) sweep into piles here. Um, And I hid from people. I did. But It took me about a year. And then I would say at the 18th month mark, I had like this revelation, I guess, Um, this whole change in perspective where, um, you know, I I just never wanted to take a drink again. And it stayed that way. Um, I just don't, I I don't want to deal with people that are going to be inconsiderate with their drinking habits around me or in my life. Um, and I don't have to deal with that kind of thing anymore. I don't. It, it, it brought enough upon my life as it is, <laughs> you know. So it, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And um, a lot of people out there struggle that I didn't even recognize. And so after this year of hiding, getting back out and kind of talking about it and coming to terms with it and accepting that it's part of the past now. Um, and it doesn't define who my, who my being is in the future, Mm. um, is probably one of the the best things that's ever happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Did you spend any time in jail? Yes. Yes. I, I spent a good, I spent a good time in jail. I, I served 150 days in El Paso counties work release program. So I was at least able to keep my service animals and um, a job. So, which was really important, especially considering the uh, situation I'm already kind of in. So I was able to, I had one day in 
uh, for 24 hours throughout the week. And then every other day I checked out at 7 a.m. and was expected to check back in by 7 p.m. And it was actually a pretty incredible experience. I, I met some deputies in there that if I hadn't have met them like that, I, I would consider great friends. So um, it was certainly an experience. I, I, I joke about this, but I, I say that I was locked up with a bunch of soccer moms and tweakers, and that's no lie. <laughs> did you um did you feel because going in there without legs you know it's not like it puts you in a more vulnerable situation you know because we hear a lot of stories about prisons and you know fighting and things that could go wrong in a prison like and you kind of need all your you know all, all your full capacity to sort of protect yourself did you feel well that's what we hear did you fear fear or feel you know vulnerable at any point in there because um, of your physical situation because of my physical situation there was only like one experience I had in there where I was actually like really weirded out but <laughs> um the El Paso County Work Release Program is thankfully quite a bit different than CJC. You do have to pay for it. You have to pay for your ability to work and stuff like that. It's kind of like paying for a very expensive hotel um, <clears throat> where, again, you're behind bars. Uh, you have a bunk bed. Um, there's the communal shower and toilet room. It, it's set up just like a jail. However, it isn't quite like CJC. Whenever I was in CJC, I was put in isolation. Um, they were fearful of my situation and notoriety getting the irritation of other girls, I guess. I, I don't yeah. know. But um, in the work release program, the only situation I had um, where it was pretty concerning I was dead asleep one night and uh, my bunkmate who was catty corner to me, she was always on some kind of substance, but she was rifling through her papers at like three or four in the morning. So I, I, I wake up and I go to use the restroom and I go back and I lay down and I'm facing the wall. And from about two foot behind my head, I hear this girl say, hey, do you have a pencil? And uh, it, it scared me out of me um, enough that I, you know, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I've got a pencil. But immediately after that, I went and talked to uh, one of the supervisors because uh, that's just, it's not a good way to approach me. Um, uh, you know, sleeping. I, I I do have I do have PTSD, but that was just a very strange experience, and uh, I didn't want any part of it, so I had to move me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody, any of us would like somebody just two feet from our head in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was crazy, but other. Than not no uh no terrible experiences I wasn't ever late um got along with most of the deputies that were on on duty there and um you know uh getting out and getting to at least go home and be able to walk my dogs you know helped out a lot yeah uh, it was pretty dark you know I spent from April to August in jail um, and a week after getting out of jail decided to go ahead and go back up Pikes Peak um, with a fellow bilateral amputee and so that was my second ascent of Pikes Peak but I was so ready just to get out of the walls um, really really crazy experience I read a lot of literature <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, so that that second, you know, the second ascent of, of Pikes Peak where you took the other bilateral uh, guy, he was a veteran that you went with, but yeah. you went with, um, was it three other guys? I think there was four guys that you, you went up there with. And, and, and yep. 
what was the purpose of that? Was that to say, oh, my God, I'm free and I'm out of here? Or, or were you, um, you, know, you know, doing it for a, a publicity reason yeah. or for a healing reason? No, no. Um, so I became affiliated with Cars for Heroes whenever I was 16 years old. And Terry Franz actually donated me my vehicle in 2017 yeah. that I ended up taking um, advantage of that privilege of driving against, um, with the influence, you know, anyway. So he had approached me and asked me if I would be interested in starting a Cars for Heroes Colorado. And I said, absolutely, you know, I'll do anything to help the charity out. They've done incredible things for hundreds and hundreds of people here in the United States and specifically my hometown, Kansas City. And so we went up this mountain. Um, It was me, Travis Strong, Nicholas Hallisey, Robert Greiner, and Jill Bolivol. And we went up this mountain and dedicated the climb to Cars for Heroes. And so we were able to donate a couple vehicles in our community um, on behalf of Cars for Heroes Colorado. Mm. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And and you also... uh, did you were the first person to get get permission to uh, climb the stairs of the the, the uh, Statue of Liberty as well, and so and that was associated with the Cars for Heroes as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, a month later, in September of 2018, I was granted permissions to go and uh, climb, uh, crawl up the stairwell to the Crown of Our Lady in the Harbor. That was an incredible experience in and of itself. My teammate, Nicholas Hallisey, went out there with me and uh, we were uh, put on the staff ferry on the way over to the island. So it was largely shut down for these three hours. Uh, That's how long we had estimated it might take me, but it it ended up taking me seven minutes because uh, I could just barely fit on this step there. And uh, once I got a rhythm, it was quite all right. So it's really a beautiful view from up there and um, just being in the epicenter of so much history mm. and getting to be a part of that history in, in some way. Um, it's a very patriotic feeling. You know, I, I've climbed America's mountain twice now. I've been to the lady in the harbor and I guess you could say the only thing that's missing is from sea to shining sea. <laughs> my, my next one is taking me overseas. Uh, and this is coming up in less than 10 days now. That's why I'm tailoring my gear like a madman over here. But uh, I'll be traveling over to Tanzania to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So that's uh, been a goal and dream of mine for the last several years. And I am very excited. Uh, you know, wow. growing up, we only had like the Kansas City Zoo, and of course, television. And so, like most 90s kids, I'm sure can probably relate. We grew up watching Steve Irwin. And um, I, I'm so excited to get to go over there and help out with the same conservation programs that he did. You know, it's like a, it's a kid's dreams come true. Um, because once Africa's gone, it's gone. And that makes me like, it, it tears me up because it's like yep. the, the white rhino, you know, yep. it's gone. And that was in our lifetime. We have a duty to protect these animals. Otherwise our kids won't be able to see it. And I want my kids to grow up watching the Irwin kids, you know? So hmm. I'm so excited for this climb. I got my passport this morning. Yay! <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Do you need a special guide to help you? And is if yes. is that person from Tanzania or is it? You do have to get a licensed and specialized guide to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. There are ten people that die a year oh. on Mount Kilimanjaro, even with this, you know, government regulated um, kind of. You have to have a guide <laughs> regulation, and. Um, Carol Verhoff and Sally Gregerson, they are going to be my specialized guides over in Tanzania. And I've been working with Carol for a little over a year now. 
And his wife, Sally, is actually a uh, licensed physiotherapist. And so um, we were getting off of the Zoom call one day and I saw her pop her head around and I was like, hey, you must be the wife. Say hello. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, from there, it became a discussion and I've been fundraising to get her accompanied um, on this excursion with me because I believe that that will greatly improve my chances of success. Um, As of right now, I am surrounded by men and I'm a female. (laughs) So yeah, I was trying not to giggle on your intro there because you said that uh, something about not being crabby. And I was like, well, I think like most people, I get crabby sometimes too. (laughs) I think we all do. <laughs> I think that's just part of being human. How how long does it how long will it take you to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? So we have this excursion planned for 10 to 12 days, depending on weather and of course mus- muscles. <laughs> uh, I've been training for this um, very heavily since January. The planning and preparation has been over a year now. Mm. And so, oh man, it is 50 miles. Yeah. Going to be taking the wrong guy to, I believe, the Maweki route um, up Yuruhu Peak, which uh, I've been warned that summit day could be up to 24 hours of crawling and snow and ice Whoa. and be incredibly brutal. But I think that it is going to be remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a weird sleep schedule over here in the U.S. anyway. So interestingly enough, I I have been on Tanzania time for the last several months, um, not even trying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The nighttime is peaceful for me. It's whenever I can uh, just kind of zone out, you know? Yeah. That and um, I find it difficult to sleep around the around or before the hours of uh, 2.33 for obvious reasons, so. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just find that fascinating how you how you can do that. Like, where do you camp and where do you, where do you sleep? Do you set up tents in the snow? And, like, to me it's just so foreign. It's, I can't imagine anything worse. But, you know, <laughs> to you, you obviously love it. But so, so how do you, are there little camp spots all the way up and that you, you have to there wait. will be campsites on the way up. Um, <clears throat> this excursion is a little bit different for me because I'm used to doing all of the packing, all of the admin work, all of the, you know, kind of guiding and setting up camp and making dinner. And um, thankfully, since this is a, a much longer excursion, we have to have a guide. There are also porters, which will be carrying my gear, necessities, water, and uh, they'll be going up to camp to set it up for us. So it'll just be a you know, quick walkie-talkie or a text up to them. I'm not sure what their system is, but uh, hey, we're about you know an hour out and we'll have dinner ready coming into camp. And that's just that's going to be such a relief for me. Um, you know, even getting off of the mountain, you think that, oh, everything's done and it's absolutely not. It's, uh, you know, you got to clean all the gear and do it properly. Otherwise you're ruining your equipment. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And do these guides, you know, are they, uh, do they climb the mountain all the time? Like, are they, these just super fit, amazing humans that just up and down that mountain like no, like nobody's business? Yes, Carell, he is uh, highly specialised. He's done over 200 climbs, I believe, and never had an unsuccessful excursion. In fact, he was on, uh, he was the lead ex- expedition for, um, a few other disabled individuals that have, excuse me, gone up in wheelchairs and otherwise. It's just really incredible stuff. So I I trust that no matter what, um, Carell has my back uh, and so does Sally and so does his team of porters and they know exactly what they're doing. This will be a little different because I'm 
crawling Mm. and I'm not so much relying on any kind of prosthetic or uh, Mm. mobility equipment. Um, Other amputees and disabled individuals have done this in a wheelchair before, but um, wow, it's not how I, it's not how I roll pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Nice pun. It's fast. It's just absolutely fascinating. I don't even know how people do it in a wheelchair. Like, you know, when it's, if you're talking about the snow crawling 24 hours or crawling all day in the snow, how do they, I don't even understand how they would get a wheelchair through there or do the guides carry it or, or, or they do it at a different time of year? I don't know. Um, part of the reason why I chose Mount Kilimanjaro is not only because it's over in Africa, in Tanzania, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it's what they call one of the tourist mountains. Yeah. So there's a lot of tourism that goes through this mountain, up this mountain, and it's what sustains the local communities yeah. and sustains the local conservation programs. Yeah. And so in 2020, whenever COVID hit, it decimated the travel industry and it also decimated a lot of these communities and a lot of these conservation programs out in Africa but part of the reason uh, I chose this trail back in 2018 is because it's very similar to the Pikes Peak Bar Trail Mm, Um, meaning it's not a technical climb it's just very long (laughs) Um, Bar Trail is one of Colorado's um, more technical rated trails just because of the length. Um, But it's, I mean, altogether, other than a couple boulder spots, it's not too bad. It's just trail. So um, I I could see how they do it. They also make other hand devices that help you propel your wheelchair. Um, I don't have anything like that. And I don't know. There's something nice about getting your hands in the dirt. It's going to be interesting, though, pulling out bot flies a month later. Oh, yuck. <laughs> oh, see, none of none of this excites or impresses me for me, but I think I'm, I'm extraordinarily impressed for you. Like, I think that, you know, even as an able-bodied person, you know, I it's not something that I... I want to do, or it's even not even something I actually think I can do. Do you, you know? I, I could if I trained, but 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 quite frankly, you know, it, it would just be. It's just something that I'm not prepared to do because I just I don't want to do all that hard work, you know, physically. But for you. You know, you you put me to shame. Like I feel embarrassed saying that because you know, you know, I've got no. the I've got all my limbs and I can do it. You know, and yet yet you 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 don't have your your legs, and yet you're still saying, "Well, screw this, I'm going to do that bloody thing." And it's, I, I guess, the sense of achievement is just will be phenomenal. You know, to get to the top and yes, I did it. It's going to be a moment in and of itself. I'll probably be a bloody screaming. <laughs> crying mess up there but uh I'll I'll be up there one way or another (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this and I'm feeling confident you know whenever I first started this I didn't really have a team it was just Daniel Pond and I and then it grew by a few people and um this this next climb I'm, I'm feeling very confident in my team and what I know and what they know and um that we can all remain cognizant of each other for health and safety. And so no matter what, <laughs> uh, summit or not, it's always the, the mountains game, um, yeah. especially when it comes to weather. Yeah. And so if the weather decides to play games with us, either we get to the summit or we don't. And it's going to be a serious, um, serious moment of spiritual growth for me. Yeah. The last three years have taught me so much um, through all the struggle and trying to literally find out who I was. Mm. I had drowned myself for years um, or I was doped up on medications (laughs) that were prescribed to me. And uh, the value of patience. um, And, you know, if, if there's one thing I could go back and 
write on a sticky note for myself. You know, I wouldn't change anything, but I, I would write one thing on a sticky note and it would say, be kinder to yourself. Yep. I set such high expectations of myself after this amputation that I, I was the burden of my own depression, uh, quite literally. I, um, you know, I set this goal that I was going to be up and walking in prosthetics a, a year after amputation. Mm. And so here I was almost healed and I had to be reamputated. Oh, wow. And so, you know, just unrealistic expectation after unrealistic expectation of myself. And I was brutally mean to myself, mm. um, more so than anybody could be. I, I mean, even after getting in trouble in 2018, going back and reading all the comments on those news threads and um, everything else, I, I was meaner to myself than any any of those hateful people could have been. Mm. And uh, wow. that that's the one thing that I would write on a sticky note is be kinder to yourself. Because um, mm. if I'd have been just a little nicer to myself, I probably would uh, have exceeded my own expectations mm. well I think all of us could write that sticky note to be honest I think that um it's where none of us are as kind to ourselves as we could be but I just find this I find it um phenomenal how are you going to make this climb happen like who funds this are you are you doing a fundraiser I am doing a fundraiser yes uh right now I am raising funds on GoFundMe and because we're coming under the 10-day window I've started opening up my PayPal link as well. And so my GoFundMe is gofundme.com forward slash lowercase f forward slash Mandy H. Kilimanjaro. And my PayPal is paypal.me forward slash life proof bionic woman. I'll put those in the show notes to make sure that thank you. Yeah, to make sure that they're clickable, you know, that so that people can uh, can go to them. It's um, and how much do you need? How how much are you short, or how much you're still waiting for? Um, realistically, before I take off, I, I'm trying to raise around four grand. Yeah, and that's uh, you know to, to properly compensate the porters that are going to be carrying my stuff, and as well as. Uh, compensate Sally for her time and um, yeah. out on the mountain going on this excursion yeah and acting as the um, physiotherapist and my my female associate here <laughs> I really don't want to be up on the mountain trying to express to Carell that uh, something's wrong uh, with you know yeah any any lady issues which I mean is another thing. Whenever I started this, I didn't recognize that. So, um, wow. There's yeah. so, well, I, hope you, I hope you raise it because, you know, like every little bit helps and I hope, hope people can chip in and help you get there, but it's, 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 you, you're absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's, I, I'm Thank almost you. speechless like I don't know how you do it. And, and I'm in such awe of you, you know, and, you know, you're talking about being kind to yourself and you're kind of, you know, you're saying that everything went, you know, to trash and in, into the um, alcoholism and everything else. But, uh, you know, we can never see ourselves from from where other people see us, do, you know, and it's um, like I only feel admiration and, you know, a great respect for you. It's hard to believe how, how you could feel so bad for yourself but this is just human beings isn't it that we're so so good at trashing ourselves and um others are not doing that to us yeah I I've definitely found that uh, I'm more nitpicky of myself than most anybody else would be wow well I I think you're incredible I love it so this podcast is about get off the bench and you have gotten off the bench in phenomenal <laughs> ways you know it's a, it's a, it's not just it's not just the fact that you've recovered you know and then you've sort of um found some kind of quality life like that in itself is 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 a 
an amazing feat, but you've you've just taken on these challenges that, that most of us able-bodied people don't freaking do. You know, so it's so I just find that getting off the bench to the nth degree, I, I find that amazing. Well, what, what advice would you give to people affected by physical disadvantage to go conquer their life? Make sure that you sit on the bench a while and discover who you are without expectation. Um, and, and that will greatly aid you going into the future. Um, yeah, before you launch off that bench, <laughs> uh, work, work on that inner part of yourself and finding that without, um, without the excess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense. That's really good advice. Yeah, because often we do jump off that bench way too quick, don't we, without having uh, any thought about it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> been there, done that, and face planted, got that T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, that's a better T-shirt than than my mum went to Hawaii and got me this crappy T-shirt. <laughs> that's okay though. Hawaii is beautiful. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it just? Well, then you'll have to start climbing some of the volcano, volcanic mountains in Hawaii next. That'll be a, that'll be a good challenge. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Uh, the locals there, they do have a lot of um, red tape around some of those climbs, and I don't want to be disrespectful. And so I yeah. think that, that, that has been mentioned so many times um, since I started this that I went out, <clears throat> Hawaii is actually a very special place to me because in 2013, um, the first trip I took on a plane out of Landlock, the first time I ever saw an ocean was landing right there at Oahu. And um, this was the year before I lost my limbs. Wow. And so Hawaii is literally the first and the last place that I ever got to put my toes in the sand. And so um, it has been a discussion and I'm thinking about approaching their local government to be uh, completely respectable and open about discussing what they would be okay with me climbing out there and what they wouldn't Um it's far, far, far better to ask for permission than forgiveness. I don't care what yep. anybody says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, on, and sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know what you mean about why, not not in the context that you, but, you know, I used to go there. I went there for 15 years. I've been there 16 times, and I used to go for a month at a time every year. Mm-hmm. It's just because there's something extraordinarily special about that place. But for you, you know, dipping your toes in the first and last time—that's uh, there's some that that's that's strong. That that's really deep. And why'd you get so dark so fast? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> like you're talking about Hawaii. How did you make that so dark? No. <laughs> Uh, I apologize. No, it's. I hope you. I hope you get there. It's fantastic. Now, where can apart from the GoFundMe? Because I, I really love people to go and chip a few dollars in, and you know, try and help out on that because it's just amazing that you're doing it. It's not. It's not even just the amazing feat. It's the fact that it's. It's it's supporting you overcoming you know you know this a, a tragic situation and, and actually turning your life around and, and being a role model for other people too you know and inspiring other people that no matter what happens to you there's there's always some way we can you, you know make a better give it a better shot so I hope people support you but where else can people find you website Facebook Insta all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I have a website. It is www.mandyhorvath, H-O-R-V as in Victor, A-T-H dot com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at lifeproof bionic woman. And Facebook, I believe I have um, lifeproof Mandy Horvath. Yeah. I believe that's what it is. Yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, I, I am terrible about <laughs> updating that page, but I've been keeping most of my posts on my personal page uh, public. So yeah. if you'd like to follow me on there, you're more than welcome to. Uh, most anything that goes on to the personal Facebook page gets cross-posted over to the Instagram. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So even even if it's only following on Instagram, it's going to be it's already massive. The stuff you've already got on there is fantastic. But then, you know, we'll be looking forward to the Mount Kilimanjaro pictures as well. And you're just incredible. And I was just thinking before, you know, when when because of your accident, you trusted people and they let you down. And now, you know, you're doing these climbs and everything. And it's ironic because you have to put 100% trust in other people. It's so difficult, you know. It, it, doesn't, get, it doesn't get much easier. Um, I still have a lot of trust issues. I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm also blessed in that I am not going alone. <clears throat> I will have an amazing team of documentarians going over with me to document this ascent so that I can really focus on my body and really focus on the task at hand. That's exciting in and of itself. Um, my director, Edward John Drake, he is taking a break from his projects with um, actor Bruce Willis that he normally works with quite often. Wow. And he's going out there with me to ensure that this is documented with the utmost care and uh, <laughs> obviously there's like filming contracts and stuff like that. And it sat in my uh, inbox for, you know, a good week and a half. Cause I'm just, I don't, I don't know how to trust. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, yeah. But it, it's, you know, I also have a speaking coach and uh, slash theater coach, C Glassman who connected me to Frank, who is Francis Cronin. He's an Irishman who has walked across Ireland and from San Francisco down to LA to raise awareness for the homelessness. And so she connected these two minds, but as she was telling me, she was like, this is about you learning spiritual growth. You're no longer around that realm of person anymore. Like this is a, higher elevated person that you have not yet come across and you know I told her I was just like okay you know I'm jumping off this bridge with no bungee cord are you guys gonna be down at the bottom (laughs) with a parachute (laughs) a really durable one please (laughs) you know um it 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 hasn't gotten a whole lot easier on that front um I'll be quite honest with you I'm very um, questioning of anybody that comes into my life. Uh, I want to know what your intentions are. I want to know that you don't have any ill intentions towards me, uh, or my family. And that's just because, I mean, even from my family, the people that I never thought would betray me, um, they, they have. And I mean, just one big bucket of trauma going forward, but The way I look at it, um, the people that are that elevated type of person are going to understand and recognize like this isn't a personal thing. This is her trauma speaking and they're going to see through that um, and recognize like (laughs) I'm really just a kid trying to do great things in the world um, and everybody has their issues, you know. Yeah, everybody does. Mine just so happens to be being very questioning of every single soul on the planet. <laughs> well, any wonder, any wonder, because it's um, it's uh, when your trust is betrayed, it's 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 massive, it's absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you begin to wonder if you can even trust yourself because you at one point thought you were a good judge of character. Yeah. And whenever it happens on a repeated basis, it really um, gets under the skin after a while, you know? Yeah. Well, well, I think you're you're incredible. I think you're brave and you're strong and you're courageous. And, you know, I'm so thankful that you're putting your um, trust in certain people that are helping you to elevate your life, you know, and helping you to uh, achieve these amazing feats that really will inspire other people to believe that they can do great things too. And, I, you know, I think that 
I wish you could see you as I see you and as a lot of other people see you and you know maybe one day you will but in in the meantime you 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 just keep doing those amazing things because it's mind blowing and uh, I have nothing but nothing but pure admiration for you I it's it's a oh, thank you yeah so thank so you I, well, that's amazing. Well, I'm so thank you so much for spending some time with us. And I know my audience is going to uh, be be blown away by by your story and 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 feel the same as me. You know, and have have great admiration for you and great respect for what you're doing, not only for yourself but but for the world. You know, and, and to encourage others. So, I'm I feel so honoured to have spent this hour with you. No, I feel honoured to have been a guest on Get Off the Bench. So thank you very much for inviting me, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. All right, well, good luck with your climb and I'm going to follow and and uh, and uh, hope to see some amazing pictures and I'm sure I'll see some of you absolutely buggered. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> You'll post the truth, I know. <laughs> yep. There will be an entire documentary about this is sent out in uh, 2022. That will be fantastic. It's going to be interesting. That's that's for certain. (laughs) Oh, well, good on you. Good on you for just moving forward and, you know, ticking things off one at a time and and just being incredible. That's all I can say. He's bloody incredible. Well, that's all we can do, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just keep going exactly well well i'll let you get back to tailoring your gear that i didn't even understand what Alrighty, you were dear. talking about when you said it. <laughs> have, a, have a beautiful night and just thank you so very much i really appreciate thank it you as well dear you have a good night as well you too thank you take care see ya oh guys how was that i'm in absolute awe of mandy and as i said i don't know maybe a hundred times just absolute admiration because you know to have such a tragic thing happen and to have your trust completely betrayed like that and then to sort of move through life and say well now I am willing to trust people or at least now I have to be in a space where I trust that other people can you know help me achieve these amazing goals that that's a feat in itself I just think that's incredible and you know I love her advice, actually. Maybe you need to sit on the bench a little bit longer and just make sure of who you are and make sure your healing is going okay. And, you know, I think that it's uh, we, we do tend to rush a bit and sometimes I'm guilty of telling people just get out and rush, but I think that advice is pretty yeah, well worth considering. But if you can spare um, any a few dollars to help Mandy on this journey and help her climb Mount Kilimanjaro, that would be absolutely magnificent. The, the link's in the show notes, but um, as she said, it is uh, gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash Mandy H Kilimanjaro. And but I will put a link in the show notes. But uh, follow her along, go to Instagram, check out what she's doing, and what an amazing story! And I really hope that you're enjoying when I say enjoying, you know, uh, embracing all of these stories that I bring to you. And again, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much um, for helping me to, you know, keep this going and bring these amazing guests to the surface and to just to bring them to you and give them some airtime. So anyway, that's it for me. I'm in awe. Um, I don't even, I'm speechless, doing greater things than I can ever do. So anyway, you enjoy your week and I'll catch up with you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.